Hello, everyone. Welcome into Southeastern 14. I am Blaine Gilmer. Thank you once again for tuning in to an episode of Jake's Takes on Southeastern 14. We'll get to Jake Crane, our guest and our co-host here on the show in just a minute. But guys, I did want to mention to you, hey, this channel is growing fast and we greatly appreciate all your support. Up over 12,000 subs now. Uh, hit that the other day. And if you want, think your audience, your clientele or your business would like this SEC crazed audience, then you need to advertise here with us. Hit up caroline.smith at Southeastern 14 if you'd like to do that. And then also 15% off on chomps, guys, in the description. You can get whether it's beef, venison, turkey, they got all kinds of different flavors. The beef jalapeno is my favorite one. So check that out in the description if you want 15% off. But uh, per one person you don't get any discounts from, you get the full thing the whole time is Jake Crane. And I'm excited to have Jake here with us once again. How's it going, my man? Man, going good. Yeah, I can't offer any discounts, not in this economy. Uh, if I sound a little funny, change to the weather, sinus is doing backflips. But if that's the worst thing that happens to me, I'm going to be all right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking about doing backflips, Jake, we're going to get right into it. I've seen one man, Joe Milton, do some backflips. He's an athletic freak. I mean, he can he can do the backhand spring and all that. He can sling it like, you know, over them mountains over there like Uncle <laughs> Rico. I mean, he, he's, he's strong as he can be. Uh, but this Tennessee offense, and I'm going to go ahead and get the game graphic up here. This Tennessee offense this year, I compared it to last year, okay? To this point, they, they have 10 – explosive plays through the air just 10 jake that's that's it and they had 55 last year they're on pace to have 53 percent less explosive passes this year is this just a joe milton thing is this a receiver thing is this a lack of not having the play caller from last year that's at, at usf now i mean what what do you think is the cause of that with tennessee's offense well, you know, it's it's typically a combination of things. I think when you lose the amount of talent that they had at the wide receiver position, number one, then you lose Brew McCoy, a guy that we know is really talented, uh, as they did earlier in the season. Plus, look, I'm a lot of people think think I hate Joe Milton because during the offseason, I kept saying, you know, a lot of these people are like, he's going to win SEC Player of the Year. He hit a golf cart at the Manning Academy from 90 yards away. I'm not worried about Joe Milton hitting a golf cart at the Manning Passing Academy. I'm wondering if he can make the routine throws routine. And Joe Milton's been about what we thought Joe Milton was going to be. Hasn't been bad. Hasn't been elite throwing the ball. It's a different identity because the personnel lends it to be a different identity. And and we'll see how it goes down the rest uh, through the rest of the year. But we see this happen, you know, when you have a lot of turnover. I mean, heck, look at what's going on at UCLA right now. Who'd have thought a Chip Kelly team would be beating teams with defense and trying to protect the quarterback? That typically doesn't happen. But sometimes you don't always have the personnel in the perfect spot to be able to run exactly what you want. So this Tennessee team, and, and Josh Heupel wants to be a run-first offense. Don't get anything yeah. twisted. But it is a run-heavy team that relies on the run. You look at the math. You do the numbers. You go fast. They're still running their now screens. They're spitting the ball out. But the amount of downfield passing success that they've had this year and the amount of intermediate to short pa game passing success that turned into big plays just hasn't happened. And that's because Joe Milton has missed some guys when they've had opportunities. And they don't have the same cats out on the outside running around as they did last year. So if you can still find a way to win, it doesn't matter. I always say the coaches that survive the longest and thrive the longest are the ones that are malleable when they get to the top and they can win in a variety of ways. Yeah, I did. I did think it was interesting. Did some uh, did got some statistics together earlier today. I wanted to throw these up there. You can look at the SEC. It's just amazing. The team in red is the one with the lowest in that category, and it's amazing to me that Tennessee, even though they do have one fewer game than most of these guys because they had a bye week uh, this last week, 
man, t- only 10 explosive passes. And the third, fourth down success rate is about middle of the pack there at 44%. So, uh, and then, but hey, look, like you mentioned, they do want to be an explosive run team. So 30 explosive runs, and we count an explosive run of 12 yards or more. So uh-huh. exactly what you said there, Jake. I think they, they do want to be that run first team. My question is, with this game, and I'll throw the graphic back up again, Texas A&M is a three-point underdog going to Rocky Top. The yeah. uh, over-under has gone down. It did get up to 57.5. Now it's down to 56.5, 3.30 Eastern on C- uh, CBS. My question is, with this Texas A&M front that held Alabama to 23 yards rushing and really contained Jalen Milrow's legs, had six sacks on him, do you think that Tennessee's going to be able to get the run going in this game they weren't able to run on florida a few weeks ago in order to help joe milton out create some of those explosive plays down the field well you know obviously tennessee's shocking in that graphic you just showed if you're just listening on audio i tell you what else is shocking lsu is leading every category every category in that graphic (laughs) so if if you're on audio uh literally lsu was all green every every statistical category they're a nightmare uh to defend right now but listen i think a&m may have the best front seven against the run in the country if we're going to be honest, I mean, Alabama's right there too, but you know, the question becomes, and we've seen ten, you know, we've seen A&M enough, right? We saw him against Miami get absolutely diced up through the air on a different type of quarterback. We know Tyler Van Dyke and Jalen Milrow are very different, uh, but stopping the run is not Texas A&M's problem. The problem is regardless of how well they stop the run, regardless if they play press, if they play man, if they play zone, they're getting absolutely shredded. I've never seen the first read open as much as I did last week for Alabama in the AM game. I mean, Burton, who was the first option in, in most of that game when it came down to the combinations of where to look, wasn't just open. He was wide open, including on third downs. So the question then becomes, yeah, let's go ahead and say AM's is going to stop the run. That's probably a smart guess. Now, how well do they stop it? Do they totally shut it down? Do they shut it down enough uh, where, where balance isn't a thing? Probably, but I think if there's one offense or one style that can kind of pierce it a little bit, it's going really fast like this, right? It's kind of catching them in base, trying to get them winded a little bit. But can Joe Milton, and I'll say it again, Tennessee's offensive success in this game, especially in the red zone, will come down to whether Joe Milton can make the routine throws routine. And if he can, even with the lack of talent compared to last year that Tennessee has outside, they still got Squirrel White. They still got some guys that can do it. They will be open and be able to make plays. But Joe Milton, all he's got to do is, is, is catch the ground ball clean and throw him out at first. That's it. Just smooth shortstop. And he didn't have to, they don't have to hit the chunk plays down the field that much. You want to throw something to loosen him up, maybe help out in the run game. But if he makes the routine, throws routine, I like their chances in this game. So it's really weakness on weakness. It's it's Texas A&M secondary and, and their pass coverage versus the weakness for Tennessee, as we've seen this year, has been their their vertical passing game. They do get Dante Thornton Jr., who's a speed demon, back off his hammy injury this uh-huh. week. Which weakness do you are you more confident in? in well. Going into this thing? Well, look, it seems to be the theme of the weekend. I mean, you look at this matchup weakness-wise, you look at Auburn LSU, I can I can go down the list. Uh, but I, I will always lean toward the home team. Uh, you look at the numbers, and listen, I'm not a trends guy. What happened three years ago doesn't matter. But Jimbo Fisher is 3-13 and 13 in true road games uh, yeah. in, in his career at a and I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a good number, and it's, and it's starting to become a pattern, it looks like. But I, I think A&M with Max Johnson, he'll be able to keep and extend some drives with his legs. I think it's going to be a tight game. But if I'm if I'm going to pick one here, which I'm not betting this game at all, I'm not touching this game, I'm not touching the side, I'm not touching the total. But if I did, I'd buy it down to Tennessee minus two and a half, and I'd take that. I wouldn't mess with the over or under because even as fast as Tennessee goes, this one could get bogged down pretty quickly. 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I think it's going to be a great game to watch. I'm excited to see it, excited to see uh, who overcomes some of the obstacles that they have. But, you know, another aspect of it, Tennessee coming off a of bye week, so they've had two weeks to prepare for A&M and A&M coming off that physical matchup. So great game there. Jake, one that we talked a little bit last week, but now I really want to hammer, hammer home here. Um, Florida at South Carolina. And my question for you here, I want to get your take on this statement. Saturday's game in Columbia versus Florida, who the the Gamecocks coming off a bye week and Florida missing its starting center, it's the biggest game in the Shane Beamer era at South Carolina. True or false? False. Uh, listen, I, I know fans short for fanatical, and I know it hasn't gone exactly this year. like South. And Shane was, was right in his press conference. Okay, They have overachieved early. You're like, man, we we won we won seven. Oh man, we won eight. Well, why are we not winning nine or ten? Why are we not winning eleven in year three? Well, if you haven't noticed, South Carolina's not very good up front on either side of the ball, and that's yeah. the saddest part for Spencer Rattler because if they were and they had some semblance of a run game, and if they could be heavy in the box and limit other teams, South Carolina could be really dangerous this year. Really, dangerous. I mean, we saw we what they did with what they had in the first half against Georgia, but they don't. Uh, that doesn't mean that Shane Beamer is a bad coach. You would like to have the offensive line and defensive line figured out by year three. But but if you can't see the trajectory of this South Carolina team when you look at recruiting, when you look at what they're bringing in on the edge, uh, when you, I, I think the Lenore Sellers kid has a chance to be special as well at quarterback. We'll see down the road. But Shane Beamer has this, this program going in the right direction. And I will, warn, I will warn South Carolina fans about this. Okay, do not, with Shane Beamer, Make it to a point where it's toxic because I do think, and we can talk about six-year plan or the five-year plan like off Big Daddy with the guy working at Hooters, whatever. They're going to pop that big year. If it's not next year, it'll be the year after that one. So you don't want to get in this cycle of, hey, overachieving for two years, you have a bad year, oh, we're going to fire you because that's how you get in that, that washing machine of having to replace the coach every three to four years and go through what Tennessee had to go through. So – I understand being critical. South Carolina should be good up front, but you got to be able to see the beach through the forest on this one, man. And when it yeah. comes down to, to Florida, same thing with Billy Napier. I mean, you got to be patient. This year's schedule and next year's schedule is like, like hitting the knees with an aluminum bat when you walk in the house. It's yes, just, it's I'm tough. Easy. But patience isn't just for doctors and therapists. I know that's hard for fans to hear. All right. But Shane Beamer, the trajectory, you got to like it. I'm going to sniffle now. Yeah, no go. doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, listen, I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned the, the struggles along the offensive front and the defensive front. So South Carolina against North Carolina allowed 168 yards rushing against uh, Georgia, 190 yards rushing, and against Tennessee, 238 yards rushing. We know that Florida wants to run the football with Napier. They want to get you kind of going east and west, stretch those gaps, make you be, you know, lose gap integrity, and then gash you with Etienne and Montreal Johnson. But my question to you, and you see it in the graphic, can the Gators run on the road? 31 rushing yards against yeah. Utah earlier this year, and then they go to Kentucky and have 69 total yards rushing. Um, it's just it, they, they ran through you know Tennessee like a car wash on a hot summer day down there in the swamp, but they can't. They can't get it done on the road. Do you think uh, Billy Napier one in seven on the road in his career yeah. in Florida away from the swamp? Do you think they'll be able to run the ball against South Carolina and Columbia? Well, look, I'm a firm believer in in you know when you show me who you are, 
enough times, I got to believe you. And your center's out, who I believe was out against Utah. Now, they ran a little bit too much east and west against Utah. You saw them get more north and south against Tennessee, but they can't figure it out on the road. And Kentucky's a, a lot better defense than South Carolina. So if there's any defense that you can, you should be able to run on on the road, it should be South Carolina. But I've coached at Williams-Brice. I understand what that place is like. And it's amazing how it can make players a little bit better than what they typically are when you go play at that place. Um, so it's the matchup is it should be what Florida does best against what South Carolina does worst. But when you look at those road splits, how can you sit here and say Florida does, does that the best uh, when they're on the road? They just haven't performed yet. So I think South Carolina punches above their weight in this game. I think they shut down the run enough. Not that they're not going to get popped a couple times. Florida will have a little bit of success, but I don't think it'll be to the point where Graham Mertz is able to sit back there and just find guys and bide time and find guys off play action and things like that. I like South Carolina in this game. It's actually one of my locks at the week of the week at minus two and a half. Jake going with Cocktober over there. He thinks it's time. It's time for you, the – You'd love to see it. Nothing like a good Cocktober. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now, here we go with a game that is, you know, of interest to you. Uh, no, no, Make no bones about it. An, an Auburn guy. Uh, but but you, keep it, you keep it fair and balanced while you're talking about the Auburn Tigers, and that's what I love about it. Um, my question to you is, should Robbie Ashford play more for Auburn than he – against LSU than he did against Georgia. I was kind of shocked that he didn't play more against Georgia with some of those runs that he had, and you've got LSU who can't figure it out on defense right now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the numbers, Peyton, on, Peyton Thorne is on pace to throw for less yards than Robbie Ashford did last year. I, I'll say this. I, I think, again, a lot of it is circumstantial with where Auburn's at from the quarterback position. I think Peyton Thorne did a good job against Georgia you know, two weeks ago, putting balls in spots to give guys chances. You know, the problem, again, it's a combination of things. Peyton Thorne hasn't been great throwing the ball. And also, Auburn's wide receiver room, to be honest with you, is deficient, especially on the outside. They've got some guys on the interior at the slot. they got some guys on the interior like Rivaldo Fairweather tied in that they can line up outside and can do some damage. But until Shane Hooks and Camden Brown and some of these other guys really come on, you're just going to be a one-trick pony in the passing game. And lately, it hadn't been that great of a trick. But here's where I think your question really has some merit. Right. I watched Peyton Thorne go on the road at Cal. Look really bad. Look, look, un forced, did not look clean. He, I don't think he's thrown a ball away all year, to be honest with you. Then he went yeah. to Kyle Field and looked like he, he was in the middle of the conjuring or like Chucky was chasing him around somebody's bedroom. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Uh, I mean, it, le it led to us questioning his toughness salty. after the game. So if you're going to be shook at Cal and you're going to be shook at Kyle Field, you're going down to Mordor in Death Valley. Yeah. I've been saying all week, like there's there's like orcs being born in the mud as you're walking in the stadium. You're getting flicked off by kids three hours early. We were playing with Legos legitimately for fun. They're that young. So that place is going to be rocking. The Auburn LSU series is really weird. But if Peyton Thorne early looks like he's he's shell-shocked and his eyes are as big as saucers, you got to put Robbie in there because you're going to have no chance, even against this LSU defense, which – Talk about weakness versus weakness. Auburn's passing yeah. game versus LSU's passing defense. I mean, it's basically a cripple fight, man. Yeah, and when, too, LSU hasn't been able to stop the run very well either. I mean, no. I, I, that's why I'm And Auburn can run it. Auburn, yeah, Auburn can legitimately run the ball. Yeah, well, not just with running backs, too. That, that quarterback run element. And then my, the other part of my question was, okay, two weeks for Hugh Freeze to prepare for what they've seen out of this LSU defense that we know has problems. 
Do you think he's going to be able to get the RPO element of this offense going with that bye week and 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 in the preparation two weeks to prepare? I think he's taken over more of this offense from Philip Montgomery based on what he's saying in in um in press conferences and things. Yeah. He's much more involved. Do you think the RPO element comes along a little bit and and are they able to keep this one within the spread of LSU this week? I I, I think they realized LSU was pressing on defense. Uh LSU's, you know, went to the four down. They tried to simplify things in the back end. I think you're going to get a ton of motions. I think you're going to get a ton of different formations. You're going to get some trade by the tight ends. Auburn's going to throw all the eye candy at LSU and run their stuff. But I think you're going to see a decent amount of, of the RPOs and, and things of that nature to try and get their eyes going left and right. And when you do that with LSU, you negate their athletic ability. And Auburn's going to have to have that because I think Auburn's going to be in a lot of third and threes. I think there's going to be a lot of third and threes and a lot of four, uh, third and fours. LSU's probably going to load the box depending on the personnel that they get. We know Peyton Thorne can run well enough to be effective, but I think you're going to get jet sweep motions. I think you're going to get orbit motions. I think you're going to get wonky formations that motion into other wonky formations. You've had time to really get not into the bag of tricks, but get in the bag of a little bit of that eye candy. And when you do that, you get defenses a little bit guessing. They start playing on their heels. That's what I'm interested to see because Hugh Freeze, one of the best things he does is from a motion standpoint. And they're going to need every bit of offensive production, of ball control, of points scored that they can get, Jake, mm -hmm. because there is not – you mentioned, and I'll put that graphic up here again just so people can see that are watching on the podcast version. Look here at LSU's points predicted uh, predicted points added per play. Every play that they run on an average basis is getting them almost a half a point based off their production of That's this. That's insane, and, dude. Yeah, they have 44 explosive runs of 12 yards or more in the year, 39 explosive passes, and their third and fourth down success rate is almost 60%, Jake. I mean, they're, they're – executing on offense at an unbelievable clip is Jaden Daniels. I mean, he, to me, I don't know why he's not getting talked about in the Heisman conversation. Well, it's because they have two losses yeah. and, and I get that. But, but at the end of the day, you, we, if he continues to do this, you got to start talking about it. Cause LSU is going to keep winning until they play Bama. If he keeps playing like that. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I think LSU has the best offense in the country and people oh, say, yeah. Oh, what about USC? USC's elite offensively too. But I'll take LSU's offensive line over USC's offensive line. There is not one offense I would rather play less than LSU right now. Now, the biggest yeah. question for LSU, Jane Daniels, you got to slide, brother. You run way too vertical not to be sliding or getting out of bounds. I watched a highlight tape of the hits that he's taken this year, and, and Jane Daniels isn't exactly made out of bricks. Like, he isn't yeah. Tebow's size. We interviewed him. He gained 15 pounds, and we interviewed him in SEC Media Days, and he's still – look thin. So he's got to protect himself because with him operating that offense with Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr., who may be the biggest freak on that offense when it comes down to it, Mason Taylor's back healthy. You've got a legitimate offensive line. The run game is really getting going. Jaden Daniels can extend the play from inside the pocket, outside the pocket. He's one of the best improvisers since Ryan Styles from whose line is it anyway? I would, again, I would rather play every other offense in the country than line up defensively against what LSU's doing right now. And Mike Dembrock, is it's a full man. You must be fun. That must be a whole hell of a lot of fun to call plays in his bag, guys. man. He is in his bag for sure. I mean, he's he's able to call call anything right now and get it going. And the the thing that stinks about this is 
LSU has been very good offensively, but the one thing I'm worried about for Auburn is they have been they've been really really good defensively. Like people don't give them enough credit, but they're so they're injured right now. Austin Key's still out. Keontae Scott's still out. You got uh you got Jalen Simpson. Who knows if he's going to play or not there in the back end of that defense? I mean, I just think that's a little unfortunate for Auburn right now with all the injuries. They yeah, have. especially coming off the bye week, and you know you're in a depth situation with Hugh Freeze in year one. It's not his fault. Where you you don't need everybody needs to catch breaks, right? Injury wise. Auburn has to catch breaks to and stay healthy. And listen, the biggest problem I think Auburn's going to have defensively in this game is they can't get a pass rush with four. And against this offensive line, you can't get a pass rush against Jaden Daniels. He's going to eat you alive. To get pressure, Auburn has to bring pressure. And when you do that, you have to rob Peter to pay Paul. Now, do you zone pressure him? Right? Do you keep everything in front and and know that they're going to get big chunks and just hope that when you get in the red zone that you're you're able to hold him to field goals? I mean, that's what Hugh Freeze basically said in his press conference. I mean, if any of you guys know, like, you know, like Brent Venable's talking about Texas, if any of you guys know how to stop them, please let us know because we're just going to try and keep them, you know, to field goals yeah. in the red zone. And and you try and limit possessions offensively for their offense by running the ball. I think that's all going to be baked in. Oh, yeah. Do you think Eugene, Eugene Asante is fast enough to be a spy on, on Jaden Daniels? If and I don't know how many guys are fast enough to actually legitimately be a spy on Jaden that don't play corner. Yeah. You know, like, it's it, that's asking a lot. Jaden Daniels is absolutely skating out there. I just know Asante's a freak, so I didn't know if he was No, Asante's a freak. He's a hell of a player. But Jaden Daniels is literally just absolutely putting the roller skates on. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The last game we got here, and then uh, a take I wanted to ask you on. This has climbed up to, uh, since I made this graphic, it's 20, 20, 20 and a half, depending on where you're where you're looking uh, for your sports book, but Arkansas going to Alabama. And my question here is really, we'll get to Sam Pittman in Arkansas in just a minute because I know you posted about that earlier this week on Twitter, and I want to get your opinion on that. But Jalen Milrow throwing for 300 on the road, College Station. We talked about the Texas a defense and the secondary, how bad it was. But my question to you is, was that performance, was that Jalen Milrow turning the corner uh, as a passer, or was that some fool's gold provided by the Aggies' DBs? Uh, well, look, I, I think two things can be true at once. I mean, I, I think Jalen Milrow had a really good day. I think AM's defense made it a lot easier on him because the first read was open. You had guys that were running wide open. I mean, there was even some throws. I know that Jalen wants back uh, when you go look at it, guys that were open. Um, so I, I think it is a combination uh, of those things. But m- my question in this game it how's Arkansas going to score? How, right. how are you going to score? Like it's, it's, you talk about one trick pony. I mean, it's KJ Jefferson and rocket Sanders and rockets been beat up, but I, I don't see a way against this Alabama defense that Arkansas scores. I mean, I took yeah. Alabama minus 19 and a half. The minute I saw it, I locked it in. Cause I just, I think Bama can score 30 against this Arkansas defense, right? That through that through, through the game as the game progresses, but outside of, of, you know, getting just great field position and getting turnovers or big special teams play. I just don't see how Arkansas scores enough points with the way they're playing right now. I I just yeah. don't, Blaine. Yeah, and I think part of that Alabama success on offense, I do think that Travis Williams, the new defensive coordinator for Arkansas, has done a heck of a job. He they has, were man. They were 123rd in total defense last year. They're up to 46 in the country this year. That's a huge uh, jump for them. So I think he's done a lot bringing that four-man front, bringing more pressure, things like that, playing more aggressive in the secondary. So I do think they'll slow down Alabama some early. 
But eventually, Jake, like you said, you know, if your offense can't extend drives, your defense is going to be out there for 70, 75 plays, and you're going to get worn down after a while. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and look, T. Will, is, he's an up-and-coming star. Uh, there, there's some young DCs in this league that are that are really going to turn out to be great head coaches. I, I think you look at Austin Armstrong. I, I can go down the litany of guys right now. I mean, you know, obviously Kevin Steele's 300 years old at Alabama, so I'm not going to consider him a young DC. But I think there's Glenn some Schumann. Schumann at Georgia. Yeah. I think is going to end up being a great defensive coordinator. Uh, Matt House right now, I, I wouldn't throw him in that category if, if we're going to be honest. But no, I think T. Will's done a great job, but you know, eventually that that dam gets broken, man. That that dam yeah, gets absolutely. broken, and uh, it's just uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. Is the dam broken on believing in Sam Pittman as the guy going forward? I know you had a post about this earlier this yeah. week. I mean, people are starting to the seats starting to get a little little hot uh, over there, and and uh, you know, I don't know the the whole buyout situation. I've heard that if it dips, if his record is below five hundred this year, his buyout goes down. To ten million. Ten million is a lot to me and you, but to some of these people with that Walmart money out there at Arkansas, that's not a whole yeah. lot of cash to get rid of a head coach. Yeah, that they they ain't broke out there. Uh here's what I'll say. Unless it's just an absolute disaster, which it could be. I mean, you're gonna lose at Bama, and then that's five straight losses, and, and the SEC has a way of getting heavier and heavier as as the year goes on. If it's a disaster, I think they may make a move. Um, but if it's somewhere around six and six or they get to seven and five. Even five and seven, uh, I think next year is either either you know what or get off the pot. And, and you hate to see that because Sam Pittman's one of the best guys in the business. We've interviewed him multiple times on Crane and Company. Unbelievably genuine. And it's weird that it hasn't worked there with, with his personality and Arkansas's personality. And, and it hasn't worked in the way that you would think would be the last way that it didn't work. You would think Arkansas would have this great run game, but they just couldn't throw it. You know, maybe defensively they weren't good enough. No, it, it's a lot of it's been the offensive line. I mean, that, that's that yeah. been a huge problem. And when you have Sam Pittman, who is an, a guy that is renowned in this sport for his offensive line prowess, how is that a problem? You know, we talk about Shane Beamer and them struggling in year three up front. Well, Arkansas is in year four. Like, and I think, I, I tell you what, man, I think it goes back and it, and it really shows you that regardless of how good a fit may be off the field, you know, it's like that marriage where, you know, your, your buddy in high school and your sophomore, you go over his house his parents get together. So they go get along so well. They like the same things. They both hate scary movies and love salmon. But then all of a sudden, your senior year, you go over there, and they're getting a divorce. And all of a sudden, his dad's been running around with the French teacher. Like, it's just weird to see. Yeah, it, it is weird to see. I hope I hope Sam Pittman, uh, just like you said, a good guy. I hope they get it uh, turned around in terms of – and the thing is, the of these four losses, Jake, I mean – Three of them have been by one score. They've been competitive. They even yeah, even with a terrible I, offensive line, I, it is. But like eventually, you you know, especially with all the hype they had after beating Texas. Remember early in his tenure, and and everybody was just you know Arkansas. It's it's for real. It's for real. It's just been such a letdown. And look at this point, a loss is a loss, right? You're you're in year four. There are no more moral man. We tried really hard, guys. Like that's it's just not going to work anymore. Or you start getting in Scott Frost territory. Are, yeah, right? we're really close. We're so close. It's like, dog, you've been close for three years. Like, no doubt. Somebody, you got to reach out and be able to touch it. No doubt. Uh, just a quick take on this one. What's your thoughts on Missouri-Kentucky? Could sneakily be the best game of the weekend. Um, you have two teams. I'm not betting this game because you have two teams that are pissed off for different reasons. Uh, Missouri's let down because, you know, they, they really had a chance against LSU. Uh, kind of let that one sw slip away. I mean, anybody that, that, you know, is trashing Brady Cook right now, I don't know what game you were watching. 
yeah, but but he kept great. them in there. I know he had that turnover late, but just a tough situation. And then when you look at Kentucky, I mean, they just got absolutely embarrassed. Uh, I think them going back home, they're a different team at home. I think they'll be able to run the ball with success against Missouri. The question becomes, can Kentucky find a way to slow down Luther Burden and Schrader uh, with Brady Cook there? I think it's going to be tight. I think Kentucky finds a way because they're embarrassed and Missouri's let down. Yeah, Jalen Geiger out in that secondary for um, for Kentucky, but also oh. on the other side, e- Enos Rankstraw is out yeah. uh, of this game for Missouri. Another injury you may want to watch out for. Cody Schrader, he's got a pulled quad. He had that going into the LSU game. We'll see if he plays. He may Golly, or may not well, play. he didn't pull it when he ran for all 900 yards in that game. I guess it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. He had, it, I think 114, he was, he was doing great in that game. Uh, Jake, uh, as always, we appreciate you coming on, man. Tell everybody what you got going on at Craning Company this weekend. Who's your guest picker? All that good stuff. Yeah, man. We uh, you know, we go live uh, each weekday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central, 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. If you can't catch it, it stays on YouTube forever. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's Craning Company, C-R-A-I-N-N Company. We got Josh Mancuso who's been blowing up, doing these skits. Uh, all over. He's been on CBS, you know, the guy who makes fun of the mascots. Uh, so we're excited to have him on, man. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, if you enjoy talking ball, we all played uh, and or coached uh, at the at the you know highest level in, in college football. So we get down to the nitty gritty. But, you know, we tell stories about mozzarella sticks, mozzarella sticks, Stacy. That's good. That's hard to say, especially when I can barely breathe out of my nose uh, as well. So it's it's a good time. Live calls, live chat. Come hang out with us. You think I could send uh, some film of my 7U team that I'm coaching to David Cohn and he would do that breakdown thing? On, Dude, on you the, should. On the that would be hilarious. That would be that would be hilarious. He'd come up with some intricate play call name for it when it's really just like blue. That's Absolutely. what I never understood about offensive guy. Why y'all got to tell everybody what to do in the play? Like, like offensively, they're like, all right, here's what we got. We got 32 razor left, Z stick, 25 straw, 11 tango Rodney. It's like, all right, you just told every position group what to – on defense, we're like, hey, hey. Let's go over 40, 43 yellow. There we go. There it is. Adjusted trips and they come out in it. So Absolutely. It's, it's funny how they do that. No, it, it's, 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 it's awesome. But listen, Craning Company is awesome as well. So check it out. You can see the, the Twitter handles for both Jake and also for his show uh, up there. You can see ours in the bottom right-hand corner if you are watching uh, on YouTube. If you are on uh, audio, it's at Crane Company, at Jake Crane underscore. And then for us here at Southeastern 14, it's at 14 Southeastern. So we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, remember, if you want to partner with us, hit up caroline.smith at southeastern14.com. Check out your Chomps promo there in the in the description. And we will be back with Jake next Friday to talk about what happened in these games, talk about the, the games coming up. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications. We'll catch you guys next time right here on Southeastern 14.